0: Oh, I just woke up. Just going to try to get to the airport here in a sec. Are you pissing? Yeah. (laughs) You
1: crazy fucker. Man, you better get your ass to the airport, baby. You don't have that much time.
0: I got a cab coming here in a couple minutes. Um, I'll call you when I get to Los Angeles.
1: All right, man. Safe travels.
0: Talk to you in a bit. Peace
1: electronic equipment must now be switched off, mobile phones with flight mode capability must be switched to flight mode now off Welcome to Los Angeles
0: International Airport. The Transportation Security Administration has
1: All characters and stories are fictitious and based on bullshit. More than likely, the show is hosted by robots, misinforming the masses. Proceed with caution. Please, wear your seatbelt, this could be a bumpy ride. Keep arms and legs inside right at all times. Enjoy your day here at Crime Time. Welcome back to Crime Time, listeners. It's the home of the conjugal visits. I'm Lone Wolf, and today, here in the studio, and. We have another great show today. Hey, Vance is out in LA sitting down with uh, Bless AWR, and uh, we'll get to them in a moment via satellite, uh, but I got a few things to say here. I've looked at Bless over the years, and in my eyes, he's been an entrepreneur. He's created, he's taken risks, and he's even living his own passion. Mostly now, he's doing tattoo work to add to the tools of his trade. Looks like I can hear Vance, though, in the back right now uh, to get this visit started. Vance, you hear me?
0: Hey, Doc. Yeah, we're here, man. i uh, starting to miss you. What's going on? Mr. Derek Everlong, you there?
2: Hey, what's happening? You guys ready to get this thing rolling? Yeah, for sure. Now's good. It's time as ever.
0: You know, Doc, before we start this interview, I wanted to say a few things. Um, obviously, being a student of the game and knowing a lot about Bless and his artwork. You know, in the 90s, it seems like to establish yourself, you had to bomb your city, you had to hit freights, And you had to do um, illegal pieces. And of all the photos and, you know, pieces I've seen with my own eyes, they all fit in that category. And I believe that Bless had a pretty major, you know, impact on the graph game as a whole. And as far as AWR goes, you know, he recruited some of the top talent, you know, in the crew that we've heard of now that are household names, such as Revoke. Um, Push, Sever, Sum, and Grime All of whom have painted themselves You know, into history And so it is cool to see and speak with someone That has had that kind of impact You know, on the graph game And it's still, you know, rippling Historically and into the future As we speak And as he branched out And got into tattooing Uh, Grime, and he um, established Artwork Rebels Tattoo in 2002 and then reestablished a Portland shop in 2009. I think that says a lot about what Bless has done and potentially where he's going to continue to go in the future. So I'd like to thank him for his contribution to the game, and I think it's had a major impact. There's a little background noise here in the shop. You know, you mind throwing on a little beat there or a tune or something? Yeah, sure. That's pretty soothing. How about something with a, you know, more of a tempo? All
1: right, let me let me check something out here. How about how about that?
0: Perfect. Uh, AWR, clearly one of the most notorious crews of all time. You mind telling us about the history maybe some of the founding members the process to join and really how it kind of exploded in the 90s what really happened there
2: you know the awr started in 88 and eclipse was and is basically the founding father of it some of the guys i barely even knew back then haven't seen obviously in years but some of the originals were Besides Eclipse, Alert, Reed, uh, Liar, Path, Oxrocks, Copes, Laps, Sight, Insist. Probably Reek, who became self. He was he was probably on the originals. Those were probably some of the original guys. I think as far as I know, I think in the very beginning everyone went to Culver High. AWR actually I think also started as ARR, All Rights Reserved, and then it changed into AWR, and then Artwork Rebels became like the main, the main thing for it. Um, So that was, that was about when it started and that was the beginning, the beginning people of it.
0: What year did you get involved?
2: I didn't get into AWR until, I think it was the end of 91, 92. I can't remember how it exactly spread. From the Valley, me, Hayes, Fable, Crisis, we were all the Valley guys. And originally Summit and his brother Tyke were... Summit was in pretty early on with Mystic. They were in TCF. And they got in... Really early, 89 maybe, and it sort of uh, was a little bit of like the valley connection into the west side. Uh, so that's how kind of the, the, all of us got in. Uh, I can't remember what order it got in as far as the valley guys after Summit. Crush was in pretty early on also, I believe. You know, some some crews, there's always a couple buddy crews that go with it. So like TCF was always you know, a handful of the guys from TCF were in AWR. Uh, So I think first it was probably Summit, Crush, Mystic, and then came like Hayes, Fable, Crisis, Me, probably like Keen, and Saber, and some of those guys with like sort of next fate. Those would be some of the next guys. And as far as how AWR kind of blew up, I think it just happened to be that A lot of the guys in the crew were really interested in doing dope shit, you know, like some crews back then obviously just were like into bombing and stuff. And we all had guys that liked to bomb. I think most of us really looked up to the generation before us, you know, like, Uh, Risk and WCA and Vision and a lot of the KSN guys. Like, you know, those were the guys that we all looked up to, and they were doing stuff that just seemed so far ahead of its time back then. So I think most of us getting into graffiti wanted to do that kind of graffiti as well as Bomb. You know, just a little of everything. Like Charlie from DTK was... A huge influence and he was a guy who did everything like you go to the train yard and he'd have a bunch of freights and then you'd go to the legal ish yards and he'd have a bunch of pieces there and then you'd fucking go to little cut cutty spots and he'd have a piece there you know you'd go to you'd go to a fucking an empty pool to go skate in the valley and i remember he had a piece with power this old empty pool we used to skate back in the day so you know seeing more than just bombing and tagging I think, pushed everyone to do a little bit more.
1: Derek, are you still in contact with any uh, AWR crewmates?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, a couple of the guys, like some of us were just best friends for so long. And, uh, you know, like me, Fable, Crisis, Hayes, like we had been friends for so long. You know, we got a graduation picture with me, Fable, Hayes, and actually Crisis' ex-girlfriend. Crisis didn't go to the same school as us, but you know, a lot of us have known each other since. Me and Keen have known each other since we were fucking 15 or 16 or something. Uh, as far as people I keep in contact with the most, it would be Fuse and Fable and Crisis. Those would be the three that I still keep in contact. Me and Fuse probably paint together the most still. We just kind of do good together. You know, my first
0: exposure to you and your art was in an old VHS tape. It was called Aerosol Warriors, and it was just kind of a highlight of the Bay Area graph. There was track spots and uh, a lot of dream pieces, a ton of your work, a ton of uh, AWR. Obviously, with that video and other uh, graph videos and uh, can control and magazines, those really were the main you know media outlets for graph. Did those magazines and videos contribute to you wanting to paint more? I mean, how did you feel about magazines and, and videos when you were painting?
2: Going back almost 30 years now, but as far as I can remember, when we started, there was two magazines. There was IGT and there was Ghetto Art, which became Can Control, more or less. And as far as I knew back then, before Hex's shop on Melrose, there was one place to get it, and that was the little comic shop in venice we used to go skate venice all the time so we'd go skate skateboard in venice the pier the boardwalk there put in the big quarter pipe up against the wall and there was just fucking so much cool shit happening down there graffiti wise and skateboarding and stuff like that so my grandpa didn't live too far from there and we'd just stay there on the weekends and go We'd be painting the yard, and we go checking in at the comic book place all the time to find the new issue or that one issue. As far as I knew, that was the only two magazines that existed for a long time. I think it was. I don't know how many years it would be before the next one, before other things came about. I can't remember what would have been next. Maybe like 12-ounce profit or one of those maybe. But I don't know if it pushed us to do more graffiti because it was just so... Little exposure. You know, the first video I think I saw was uh I think the videographs. Remember those? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if I'm uh, you know, it's been so long, but I think uh, I was in one of the videographs painting a pit. To me it was just like it was just a bonus being in that shit, you know, being in a magazine or being in that stuff. It was it wasn't the sole goal by any means, you know. I've kind of always been a believer that if you just sort of do your stuff, people will either fucking recognize and give you respect or or they won't. But, you know, no skin off my back either way. I don't really care. It was it was just a bonus. It was never it was never the goal.
0: Um, that pit was probably somewhere in the Bay Area, I presume?
2: It was in the Tenderloin. I still go by it sometimes. It's been all built over now. I had a lot of spots, and for a while, I think we were kind of being known as the pit people, me and whoever I was going with. And it was mostly because I had to get, you know, before I started tattooing, I was pretty young, and I had to get crappy fucking job like everyone else. I got a job where I was... Uh, unloading trucks at a paint store pretty early in the morning. So I was always going to bed pretty early and I found like for a while, there was a handful of pits that I could paint basically as soon as it got dark and people just were clueless to the fact that it was going on for a while. That's where the pits came from.
0: You know, back then it seemed like anybody that painted in the Bay area, a lot of them weren't native to that city, but it seemed like that was a real Mecca for graphic. If you, painted there um you definitely got a lot of feedback you know what is it that makes that region so you know
2: magical the bay area was so good to paint because it was so accessible especially compared to la like most of us who came up from la it was heaven because it was so much more manageable size wise you know like you could you didn't even need a car which was great. And you could just get on foot and you could basically walk the whole city and paint the entire city back then, you know, and there was a lot of construction. So there's a lot of industrial areas still that were ripe for the painting. And it didn't really seem like people gave a shit, whether it was the residents or the fucking police or whatever. It just wasn't, you know, it was so liberal. There wasn't quite the history with sort of like the gangs and the graffiti. In L.A., you, even from like the 80s, you know, the late 80s, when we started painting, there was just a history of cops fucking hating it, you know? Which I don't think there was quite the history of cops hating it as much in San Francisco. And I think that went a long way. The city just, you know, I I wouldn't say that all the feedback I got out there was good by any means. You know, lots of cool people, lots of fucking haters too. But anyway, I think that was the big thing. It was just, it was a different mindset coming from a city like LA and moving to San Francisco. And I really liked it. I fucking hate sitting in traffic. So the idea that I could just walk around everywhere rather than have to drive from place to place was, that was gold for me. You know, I, I had a great time when I first moved up there.
0: Did you do a lot of traveling in your graphic career? Did you, you know, see a lot of the country in paint? or?
2: No, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a newer thing as far as traveling far distances and painting these days. I I think it is anyway. I didn't really know anybody back then. I mean, we used to take small road trips, you know, like maybe up the coast or whatever. I think once I started tattooing, I started taking some trips where I would do both, where I would be on these tattoo trips and I would go painting along the way and I would do some bombing and stuff like that and hit some illegal stuff and hit some legal stuff. But it sort of just so happens I think tattooing has brought me more about the traveling and I've done painting there. Instead of painting brought me to traveling. You know, I've I've gotten lucky with tattooing where I've gotten to go all over the world and I've gotten to paint different places and things like that, but I think that's more from tattooing rather than graffiti. No one was no one was sponsoring my graffiti back in the day.
0: It seems like, you know, after all these years, you know, you're still painting, you still do a handful of pieces every year. Would you consider painting priority or is it you know more of a luxury
2: uh these days i don't know if it's either a priority or a luxury well it's definitely not a priority for sure i mean i i still really enjoy it you know i don't have the itch like i did and back in the day i mean looking back i would say my most productive years were from maybe 91 to 96 so it's weird looking back and thinking my most productive years were already over 20 years ago. You know, I'm, I'm just happy that I can still paint. And for me these days, painting is uh, it's totally different. Like, it's not as much about getting up. Uh, I don't really keep up so much with what other people are doing. I keep up a bit with what the crew is up to as far as AWR. And I really like seeing that. And I love seeing all the new guys in AWR and MSK but for me it's it's almost like catching up with an old friend and having a beer except instead of having a beer we're going painting. Oh, well, maybe we're doing both. We're doing painting and having a beer. But and that's what I really like. And me and Fuse over the last 10 years I've like made a, just made a good combo of doing that like we'll meet each other somewhere whether it's his city or my city or somewhere in between and we'll we'll do a few pieces and just have like a little spraycation reunion and that shit is totally fine or like for whatever reason people are cool enough to want to see something like when they were doing the seventh letter videos and stuff like that and so you know I'll do a little wall with a couple of the guys a couple of the old friends but to me it's it's much more about that as far as it's got to be more of a friend thing you know like it it can't feel like work like it used to, I don't have the hunger like I did 25 years ago where I wanted to go paint five times a week, you know, and then try and go grab pictures the next day. And, you know, these days, uh, you know, that tattoo a lad. I have three daughters, a wife, it's not in the cards, you know, luckily I have a great wife who you should go out and meet fuse and go painting. Like you love that. It's great. It's fantastic. So so me and him still try and do that you know we went to austin a couple years ago and we did a few paces out there and more you know i just want to like chill with a couple dudes you know that are cool paint a little bit enjoy myself like go get something to eat and drink at the end of the day and maybe reminisce about old times
0: so obviously you've mentioned tattoos what or who you know got you into tattooing
2: well i mean i think early on just growing up in um in the L.A. area, I mean, a lot of older friends who were skaters and surfers were already getting tattooed in the 80s, you know. The idea of uh, you had to be 18 was more of a, um, a guideline than a rule back then. So I had plenty of friends in high school who were getting tattooed by, like, Gil Monty and people like that, and it was, you know, it was fucking badass. Like, it was just the coolest thing, I thought, you know. Um, early on, I wanted to get tattooed and... I think, let's see, after I moved to the Bay Area for a few years, right when I was leaving the Bay Area, me and Excel and AWR started painting a little bit together. And he had just started getting into tattooing. Uh, I think he had just gone through an apprenticeship. So I moved to San Diego for two years. And in that time, when I started tattooing, and he had a business partner at the time, Adrian Lee, and the two of them taught me how to tattoo. It was, it was a quick apprenticeship. They, one or the two of them might say that they saw some hidden talent, but I think it was a little bit of guilt because I was a little bit more of a higher up in AWR than Excel. So I think when I asked him to teach me a tattoo, he had a hard time saying no. But it all worked out for the best.
1: Derek, as a young lad, did you think um, you'd be tattooing for a living?
2: I, I had a real passion for tattooing right from the start. Even you know, before I started tattooing, as soon as I turned 18, I was getting tattooed and I had some cool people steer me in the right direction. Uh, Vision from WCA and he got an AWR later. Uh, he was one of the guys who early on was kind of like, "Hey, don't get tattooed here." go up to the bay area because the bay area at the time was a mecca for tattooing i mean it was like the hot spot on the planet you know um and so he sent me to a few people up in san francisco to really get my not even when i was tattooing but when i just wanted to get tattooed and it just like left this amazing impression on me and i think from then on i was just you know enamored with tattooing in every way so i've I've managed to stay pretty passionate about it for over 20 years now, you know, or over 20 years of giving tattoos and shit, almost 25 of getting vision really kind of helped cultivate that, get it started. And then graffiti helped in some ways too, because graffiti, it's like you start and you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you're a toy. But like you just sort of like keep doing it and keep doing it. Eventually, you start getting better and better, and people start going, "Hey, you're getting better. Let me show you how to do a couple other things." Or you you paint with other people who you're like, "Oh, what are you doing there? That looks good. Like, I, I want to do some shit like that." And it's the same thing with tattooing. So with tattooing, you start and you're a fucking toy all over again. Except now, because I already was a toy with graffiti and got out of that. You know, you know, like okay, I can do this. I, I'm a toy in tattooing, but it's not gonna last forever. Like I'll just kick my nose to the grindstone, and I'll fucking get through this. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what happened. You know, just there's no there's no uh, magic wizard sauce that you can guzzle down at the end of each night. You just you just got to keep on doing it.
0: So basically, you're saying that your ambition, both in graph and tattooing is what's given you success in both fields.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I drew a lot as a kid and I was, you know, looking back now, I came from an artistic family and, I you know, looking at it as a dad now, it's easy to see like my parents definitely um, uh, pushed art, you know, it was around the house a lot. and They definitely didn't push graffiti, but they pushed the art a lot. So I, you know, there was some art in the background, but you know, I, I never went to art school or college or any of that shit. I'm what they call self-taught. I'm a, I'm a student of the world. I like to get my education with uh, life and that's what I do.
0: You know, I have a couple of tattoos um, that I'm not proud of. I won't show you, but have you ever refused or talked a client out of getting tattoo?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can refuse shit all the time. Sometimes I'd I can refuse it just to say no, just because it's fun to say no to people. It's, you know, Clients at times are like girls, even the ones that are girls. And the more you tell them no, the more they want it. I'm lucky enough that I own a shop now and I have guys who need to do tattoos too. So if it's something that I just maybe not in the mood for or I think is fucking shit, as far as an idea, but it's still going to make a nice tattoo, I can always refer it to someone else in the shop, you know, so it doesn't have to leave. And some things are just not meant to be a tattoo. And, you know, we, we tell people that at the studio, we tell them like, Hey, this is, this is just going to look like garbage, you know, like, and none of us here are comfortable doing that. So if you, if you want this, then we'd suggest checking out a few of the other shops in town. With tattooing for every person that you send away for the right reason, you'll get two back for the right reason. Try not to be greedy with it.
0: maybe outside of some of the uh, major metropolitan cities, you really didn't see that many tattoos. It was usually you know uh, bikers or ex con tattooing is probably at its most popular now. Do you think that's good for the culture or you think it's bad for the culture? You know, you know how you feel about the um, kind of trendiness of tattoos.
2: Well, you know, as a tattoo shop owner, like, obviously, I like a certain amount of the trendiness, you know, there's always pros and cons, just like everything else, you know, whether it's tattooing or graffiti, you know, when when I started tattooing, it was obviously a lot smaller. But, you know, the generation before me and before them, it was virtually non-existent. It was so small, you know, I mean. My my dad's generation, you know, he grew up in Van Nuys and all there was gangsters and, you know, bikers who had tattoos like no one else. So he comes from a totally different perspective. And, uh, you know, when I grew up, it was like all the skaters and surfers were getting tattoos, all the punks, you know, it was, it was fucking punk to get tattoos. Now it's probably punk not to get tattoos. That would be rebelling nowadays, you know, but... You know, there's parts of it that I think are great. There's parts that aren't. You know, all the TV shows that are out now, like they certainly boost the popularity with uh, people being more educated and getting bigger and better tattoos. They also boost the popularity of more and more shitheads getting into tattooing, thinking they can. You know, you got every art student kid either wants to tattoo or tells their friend they should tattoo because they can draw a fucking stick figure with a landscape behind it. You know? So there's good and there's bad, and it's the same thing with graffiti. You know, graffiti is so much bigger in the spotlight these days, but uh, than it used to be too. You know, and there's good and there's bad. You know, like you got the good is you got like you know big companies that are sponsoring huge events and painting with tons of people and thousands of paints, and you know people are being able to make a living off of doing graffiti, and that's fucking awesome. Uh, on the other hand, some of the bad is obviously, like, it catches up to a few people. People get arrested. and You know, it certainly makes the illegal side of it a lot harder, uh, which is such a cool side in the beginning, you know? Like, who doesn't like just a nice piece of vandalism, you know? Whether it's, like, drawing a great mustache on the girl at the bus stop poster or, uh, you know, like, a fucking awesome piece in the middle of some tunnel, tunnel in, the in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. nowhere. Like, that shit just leaves such a mark. I can remember driving down the 101 30 years ago and seeing, like, when they first started doing the, the back of the freeway signs, the heavens, you know? Like, I can remember that like I'm seeing it right now. Like, I can remember, like, Sir with this, like, giant clover green villains. I mean, that's thirty years ago, and that has just left such a mark in my brain. You know, like I can't remember what I fucking ate for breakfast, but I can remember that thirty years ago. So the con with both of those things, whether it's graffiti or tattooing, the big con is the mystery is taken out because it's so accessible by every single person on the planet, whether it's fucking social media or or uh, fucking YouTube or whatever, you know, and. Or, or some fucking show on it, for that matter. I don't know if there's a show on graffiti yet, but I'm sure it'll be just a matter of time. But that's the only bummer for me, is the mystery is gone with both of those things.
0: You know, in the tattooing culture, there's um, a form of, you know, apprenticing. Do you think that graph should have that as well? Or do you think there is kind of, you know, an apprenticing stage
2: No, I don't think so. I think, well, I think with some people there might be, and some crews, maybe there's a little bit more of it and real fucking informal where just, you know, like the older guys in the crew kind of giving you a few pointers here and there, which, you know, that goes a fucking long way because back in the day, people didn't tell you shit, whether it was graffiti or tattooing, you know, no one wanted to tell you anything, um, But I don't know about that there should be an apprenticeship because, you know, you don't need a fucking... Not everyone needs to become, you know, Picasso or Rembrandt, you know? Like, sometimes it's just, you know, I I love seeing that. I can remember some of my fucking early, early shit. I went into, uh, you know, some of the riverbanks in the valley, mostly scrounged a bunch of spray paint from the garage from my dad. God knows... What with like colors and tips, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I was probably thirteen or fourteen. I knew I wanted to try some graffiti, and I went down the tunnels with a friend who was just a skater friend of mine. He didn't do anything, and I'm trying to do my piece, and it looks fucking awful because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I go over and I look at what he's doing, and you know, I gave him the scraps that I had, like some fucking pink and avocado and brown, and he's drawing a big hairy vagina with the fucking spray paint, just a giant eight foot vagina as far as he could reach from his toes to as far as his arm can reach. And I think, oh my God, that is fucking graffiti. That is amazing 30 years ago. So this is complete with fucking a big fucking patch of bush too, because that's what you saw back then. Not even just some fucking lips, but I mean, you fucking went for it with some pubes and everything. and. You can't argue with that. Like that is fucking—that is graffiti at its best. Do you still talk to that guy, or since high school? I mean, that was probably as far as his graffiti career got, but it left a mark somewhere up there.
0: Hey Doc, um, we only got a few minutes left. Uh, Have we got any calls stacked up over there? Yeah, I got six
1: or eight uh, lined up here that are all lit up.
0: Well, let's Uh, just grab a call or two real quick.
1: That'll work. I got a line two right here, and then I'm going to take LVD from Lucadia, California. What do you got for me? Uh,
0: hey, Brian, I got through. Well, yeah, I got through. Hey, hey uh, uh, long-time uh, listener, first-time caller. A uh, little hard to hear you guys. I got the damn meat whacking out here again, uh, scraping another poor son of a bitch off the train tracks. Jesus Christ, like a fucking supermarket out here. It's like hamburgers on sale, you know what I mean? Oh,
2: Hey, what's happening, bro? How you doing? Side track here. I hairy pieces of
0: meat all over the tracks. fucked up? Hey, I love what you do. I love what you've done. I'm just curious to know, How'd
2: you get your name? Uh, my first name, when I started writing graffiti, was Sink. I found out after a while, after too soon, that there was already a Sink in TCF. I don't think he's kept with writing. I don't even know if he knows that that's originally what I wrote because we know each other, you know, we're friends. We, I think we've done a little bit of work together, business work over the years. After that, I think I started writing Bless, and now nah, it just felt right for me. That was about it.
0: Deja, are you even going to screen these calls? I mean, that last guy was a total whack job. Come on. You know, there's a lot of coincidences that happen in business. When you're successful, a few things have to fall into place. And the same thing goes with graph. The same thing goes with a marriage. or. They call it synchronicity. Certain things lining up. What the hell is that? Is that a real thing? Is that. If it's
2: attitude and outlook, like, I don't know if it's pure fucking dumb luck. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, Saturn and retrograde or whatever, which always seems to be happening. You know, maybe the fucking energy of the universe. I mean, I've had, I feel like I've worked hard to get those things to happen, and I feel like I've had good luck along the way. I don't know if I'm an expert in all those fields. I mean, I've had a marriage uh, or two before, my beautiful wife now. I didn't always have the synchronicity, but, uh, you know, in the marriage department, it all led to where I am now, so I suppose that's a good thing. But I think I tend to not leave it up to the universe as much as I leave it up to my head. And I've always been real headstrong. And I've always been more of a guy that's not going to talk about what he's going to do or what he did and just do it. And I think whether that's tattooing or graffiti, I feel like if you just sort of keep your head down and work, that's a pretty good mantra. And a lot of people can do that, but not a lot of people can do that for a long period of time. And I feel like that's kind of what sets off a lot of people I mean when I think about people who have just kept going after all these years you know as far as graffiti goes uh, a lot of the guys in MSK Revoke and Sabre uh, and Zest, those those guys are just still killing it after all these years I still feel like I see stuff and I'm just blown away at not only the quantity but the quality of how good it is but guys who even started before me who are I feel like still get out a lot, you know, as long as me or even longer, and are still doing it, which I think is super impressive. People like Witness, Crush, Fuse. I think that's pretty impressive, you know. Eclipse still does a piece here and there. I mean, for doing it that long and still getting out there. I mean, Risk. He was killing it thirty years ago, I and mean, still fucking killing it now. I mean, that's that's about as impressive as it gets, you know. You know, there's sort of people who like originated things. And they will always get a deep level of respect in my book, whether it's graffiti or tattoos or fucking whatever. And then there's like the people who came afterwards and they like they had more building blocks to go on. So it got a little easier for them. But the ones who really left a mark are the ones who just kept doing it and doing it, whether it was like with tattooing, I can speak to more just because obviously I do a lot more of it the last 20 years. But it's my job but I also love it and I try and put everything into it and I see it and I saw graffiti the same I see it as I see it as you get what you put into it you know and sort of like tattoo karma or the graffiti karma will kind of take care of you you know one way or the other whether that's bad or good and I feel like I didn't really wrong too many people along the way on either side and I tried to put a lot of good into it Uh, I tried to keep my head down and just fucking do my shit and not worry about other people you know and I feel like that does a lot more than synchronicity. I think the other good thing is that I came about at a good time, both tattooing and graffiti. You know, um, the late 80s and early 90s. Well, I didn't start tattooing until about 95, 96. Uh, and graffiti was more like really started scratching around with graffiti around 88. It was a good time because there was, you know, like I said, there, when I first started, there was two magazines. And then, you know, that's nothing. So, um, you know, thank God I was too much of a toy to get my fucking toy shit in one of those magazines. And by the time I figured out how to do graffiti, you know, more magazines just started to come onto the scene. And so if you're just coming onto the scene, I was up a decent amount. And so I think there, you know, sort of just was a bit of you know, the right place at the right time for that. And tattooing was not too different either, you know. Like, tattooing early on, there was just a few magazines. There wasn't much exposure. This was all pre-internet, obviously. And, you know, by the time I started learning how to do good tattoos, like, more magazines were coming into it. You know, I was starting to travel around a lot. And I was getting a little more known with tattooing because I was getting decent at tattooing same kind of idea at the right place at the right time you know so uh i think it's everything it's the hard work and it's a little bit of it's a little bit of that
0: looks like we got time for maybe one more call you know what do we got doc
1: uh, line six right here i'll go to we got pacer from the midwest uh, go ahead pacer hey
0: what's up vance what's up doc man i been listening to the show on the road right now to go paint actually uh hours away, so this is great. Uh, it's great stuff to listen to, man. It definitely keeps me laughing, and uh, and they're great stories, for sure. Hey, thanks a lot, man. You know, sure appreciate the support. Blessed. Uh, longtime fan of your work, man. Been following it for several years, and always a huge inspiration.
2: Well, I appreciate the bad taste. Keep it up.
0: Give me one second, man. Let me throw in a big old Choctaw real quick. Hold on. Yo, bless. This is awful one. Sorry, I just put a dip in. This is my guy. I got a question for you. Um, what is the happiest moment of your life that brings you joy, brings a smile to your face? That's all I need to know. Yo, we could probably take this question off there. T-Rock One.
1: <laughs> God damn it, Deja. Screen the calls. You can't be letting all these drunks get in here.
2: Can we get a sober call for once? well let's see here that's tough it's like i at this point i don't think i could pinpoint one time you know there's there's certain times with my daughters that i think oh this is the happiest ever and there's certain times with my wife now that i think oh this is just the best fucking time ever there's also times when i think uh i was really young like sixth grade fifth sixth grade when shit it was just Every day was an adventure, you know? Cruising the neighborhood, skateboarding, and getting into trouble, like, that was some of the happiest times ever, too, you know? So that's, that's tough. I mean, I've had great times with graffiti, and I've had great times with tattooing, and people along the way that I've met, and the people in the crew, you know? Like, I've had, I've, I don't know if I can narrow it down. I am, I am pretty happy now. Although it's a different kind of happy, because I have kids, and they do make me happy. And then they do drive me fucking crazy, too. So it's just a different kind of happy, I guess. Um, but I am pretty happy with the way life turned out. And hopefully it's not over, because i got plenty more I want to do with it. Sounds like you've had a great life, a career. and I uh, appreciate it. It was fun, I hope Hopefully, you got at least a few sentences out of it after all that. It's like I was saying, I definitely don't do as much graffiti as I used to. If we did this interview 20 years ago, I'd probably be a little bit more in the know. But first off, I gotta, I have to say, uh, I love you to, to my wife, Erin, and my daughters, Lula, Addie, and Jade. I gotta say, big shout outs to everyone in AWR. I think one of the things that has been so cool about AWR, it has been such a good crew. And instead of sort of guys falling off and us getting new blood over the years, we've kind of left it. I wouldn't say it's totally closed off, it's been mostly done since around early 2000. You know, like just a few people here or there have gotten in. And I think that's what's cool. So the people who have gotten in are super special. And the fact that it is still so small makes it tight and just, you know, such a good group of of guys artistically and, you know, as people and stuff. So, uh, definitely big shout outs to them and also all my guys up at uh, Artwork Rebels in Portland, Oregon, doing a great job with all the tattooing. So, big shout outs to that. That concludes our visit. Thanks, uh,
1: Derek. We're uh, letting Vance sleep on the couch in the shop. There, uh, Vance, get home safe. The track you're listening to in the background is called Last Train, produced by Revised D. E. And until next time, prime time. We out.
2: Peace.